The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. This is Brian Wagers with Elevate Commercial Investment Group. You're listening to Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. You know, if you're going to go into this business, it's a career path and it takes a while to learn, years to learn how to do this business. I've been doing it 40 years and I learn something new every day. Hey guys, this is Adam Carswell, the founder of the Dream Chasers platform. And thank you for tuning into our content. We've got some phenomenal creators making a name for themselves on this platform. And we just want to say thank you for going on this journey with us. It's been a lot of fun over the past few years. And hey, we're just getting started. We would also like to take this moment to shine light on our sponsor, Raise Masters, the number one mastermind for elite capital raisers. To learn more about Raise Masters, you can go to raisemasters.com. That's raisemasters.com. And again, thank you for investing your most valuable resource with us, your time. Now kick back and enjoy the show. Jeremy, my amazing producer, take it away. This is Dream Chasers, episode 220 with Mark Schuler. Hey guys. Hi, Grandma. This is Adam Carswell, and welcome to Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. On Dream Chasers, we bring next level talent to the light. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get straight to the interview. Hello, and welcome to Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. I'm your host, Adam Carswell. Today, joined by Mark Schuler, president of SGRE Investments and Schuler Architecture. Really looking forward to today's interview for multiple reasons. Uh, one being, I've gotten to know Mark pretty well. It's crazy to think it's only been a year, Mark, but it feels like over the past few years as a uh, solid member, to say the least, of our mastermind, Raise Masters, and also just a solid individual in general. We've, we've gone back and forth quite a bit. So finally got him here today on the platform. And Mark, it is, an, again, an honor to have you here. So I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to you. If you could just say hello and tell the audience what you're looking forward to chatting about today. Yeah. Hi, my name is Mark Schuler. As Adam said, I'm president of SGR Investments, which is my private equity firm. And then I'm a practicing architect as well, have been for 40 years. I've done probably 600 projects over that period of time, all in housing, the majority in housing. Still actively practice, although I'm trying to taper off and just to focus on real estate full-time now. 40... I didn't, wasn't even real that. 40 years of architecture. And I got I got to throw this out there too. So my wife and I recently made the announcement, our firstborn is due in October, which we're looking forward to. And Mark, you were kind enough to reach out and say congratulations. And you know, I've really been meditating a lot on what you shared with me, which is you mentioned, you know, as you get older, you begin to appreciate just the joy that new life brings. Yeah. And I've just been, I really have been thinking about that. Like for the past couple of weeks, I'm like, man, someone like Mark Schuler, who's been in architecture for 40 years, <laughs> been around the block, is telling me just how special it is for, for children to enter into the world. So we do want to talk about real estate and all that good stuff here today. But I, I got to actually follow up with you on that one. If you could just elaborate, you know, talking the joys of life, uh, kind of what you meant by that. Yeah. You know, um, for me, what I do for a living takes, a lot out of it, to say the least. And uh, it is very intense. It is a lot of problem solving on the fly. It is a lot of, you know, just dealing with the regulatory environment and you know, lenders and you know, contractors and 
things that go wrong and you know and it's just really easy to sort of look at life your whole life through that lens and believe me i do it a lot and then at the same time you know i've got five grandkids now and uh it is why i do what i do is because of my family and my grandkids and so get to my age i'm not like some wise old sage but i'm 62 you know, I'm on, you know, looking at less life ahead of me than I've got behind me. And so you've got to, at some point, slow down and smell the roses. And, uh, you know, kids have a really calming effect on me anyways. I've known other people where it was the exact opposite. But, uh, you know, it just sort of uh, brings joy to your life to, you know, have this bundle of energy that you're responsible for, you know. And um, at the same time, it is... Uh, Stressful being a new parent. I'm sure you're going to learn that very quickly. But at the same time, there's just a lot of fun and, and uh, you know, it's a great time. Like my stepson, who I mentored for 14 years now, was an at risk youth who I had to send to a military high school to get him through high school as a new daughter. And all he wants to do is be a stay at home dad. He's a totally changed guy. And it's wow. just a wonderful thing to see him mature and grow and overcome his own personal problems to being a stand-up guy, you know, like he listened to me somehow all these years. So anyways, I don't know how long I don't want to wax philosophically about this, but uh, <laughs> you know, it really does give you a different perspective on your life. It really does. For sure. For sure. And, you know, I think it is a real, it is a really great way to begin this interview because in many ways it's, you know, it's a story that sells and, you know, I want everyone who's tuning in right now to know who the real Mark Schuler is before we, we start talking business. And I think that, you know, your response right there is a great example for you as a, as a leader, a father, a grandfather, you know, that'll be me probably, hopefully, you know, we'll see how things go one day as well. So I really appreciate it. So to shift gears now and, and just kind of dive, dive right into what we're working on right now, what you're working on, you know, before the call, you mentioned, you know, putting out fires and, and whatnot and, and being in the game for, for so long, I'm sure you've had more than your fair share of putting out fires and it's, Really, in the world of entrepreneurship, it's the the part of entrepreneurship that I think people don't talk about because it's not the sexy part, but it's really what makes the sexy parts sound so sexy is when you master putting out these fires. So without going into too much detail, let's just talk about some of the fires you've had to deal with, how you've managed to put them out recently and, and how that has helped you grow and scale the business. Yeah. you know, Before we dive into the fires, I mean, let's talk about the context of real estate. I mean, what people love to talk about and what everybody salivates around and why everybody gets into the business is you can make a lot of money doing this line of work. And it's in my estimation, it's the ultimate form of entrepreneurialism. But what you see posted online and Facebook groups and on LinkedIn are all the wins and all the hopes and dreams that are sold to would-be entrepreneurs who want to get into the business. What nobody really looks at is for every win, there are a hundred failures. And for every win, there is a lot of migraines you have to go through in order to get to the goal line. And, and, And that's the reality of the business. That's not what anybody wants to hear. But the ultimate, you know, reality of real estate is it's it is a grind. It is a real grind. A lot of it is not very sexy. And a lot of it is just like going into dank little buildings and you know evaluating them. I was just before we got online here, someone reached out to me yesterday who's uh, get, wanting to get in. He's a massage 
therapist wanting to get into the business. And he sent me a deal that he was looking at. And it was an old 1925 unreinforced masonry building in Tacoma, Washington, that has a 100-year-old elevator in it in the floodplain of Commencement Bay. And it's probably not on adequate foundations. And he's wondering, can I do a value-add play on this? It's all one bedrooms and studios in a terrible part of town. There's no parking, so it's all street parking. And I was like, you know, you might want to practice your underwriting on this one, but as far as a value-add play, I wouldn't do this. I mean, there's just no way. There's too many strikes against it. You know, we literally, my partners and I probably evaluate 150 to 200 deals for every one we strike on. Wow. And I'm sure it wasn't for you, it wasn't always like that, right? When did you start realizing we need to do this amount of volume to find the quality we're looking for? Oh, it dramatically changed probably a couple of years ago. It just depends on the market you're in, really. You know, in Seattle, I left Seattle. I don't do deals in Seattle anymore because it's just insanely priced. Oh, by the way, that deal I was talking to you about down in Tacoma. 355,000 a door. Wow. Wow. <laughs> 28 doors, nine, $10 million was the asking price. And I was just like, this is insane. I've never, I, that's A class in downtown Seattle. We should note that you are our 12th man and that you do live in Seattle. <laughs> well, I've never been to a ball game. I watch them. I like the Hawks. You know, I, I think they're going to have a miserable season this year, but, uh, you know, we need to draft a new quarterback. We lost the uh, probably, yeah. Ugh. And for those who missed the reference, the Seattle Seahawks, their fan base is known as the 12th man. So, um, yeah. but anyway, so we had this guy, maybe heard him, Russell Wilson. <laughs> we traded. <laughs> so, uh, and we're going with the C tier quarterbacks now. So, anyways, talking about quarterbacking deals. So, I quarterback a lot of deals. I do like that segue. There we go. Love it. And you realize that there's certain markets that just fit what you're looking for. Yeah. And, and then you also reach a point where you realize we need, again, we need to do, we need to underwrite 200 deals before we find the, the one that we want. Yeah. But there had to be a point where you were like, we got to do this. Yeah. So we're really long in this business cycle. That's, you know, from, you know, 30,000 feet. I mean, this recession really is the first recession since 2008 and nine. You know, that is a long, long business cycle. Everything in the country has been picked over. I haven't seen anything above a five cap anywhere in the country in years. And so, you know, I'm buying deals in Mississippi at a sub five cap, you know, in a, a little town of 20,000 people, you know, and I've been down the back roads of Georgia at the dead end on a river looking at deals that were obvious, you know, meth houses. And they wanted a sub five cap for the deal. And it's like, you know, I just remembered, you know what? We might have to find five minutes to fit this in the interview because you had some crazy like shooting story in Houston that I just re remembered. Am I right? Was that you? Oh, yeah. That deal. <laughs> uh, Talk about putting out fires. Yeah, that deal. Uh, <laughs> in a nutshell, I, was, I just toured that deal four days ago. Wow. Okay. And uh, we bought it. We own the whole block next to NRG Stadium in Houston. 800 units right there. And one of the one, it was three deals. We bought a portfolio. One of the deals was the center of gang activity for that part of town. We had 125 active gang members in this deal. And then the pandemic hit and none of them would pay their rents and we couldn't evict them. And so we ended up getting, you know, all of that mess cleaned up. We got them all out, turning a corner on that now. And we're in for a refi on the deal. So. That's the reality. 
of not doing your homework thoroughly enough. And even we missed the boat on that one. But it was a very profitable deal. And, uh, you know, you buy a big portfolio deal like that. And yeah, I mean, it, uh, there, it just have to grind through it. Right. I was going to say, what was the, the how? How did you figure out to still turn the lemon into lemonade in that situation? I'd like, I hired off-duty policemen, six foot four and taller, and they were packing. And they, three of them patrolled the property 24-7. We had to put a security gate at the entry into the parking lot. Nobody got in to the property unless they were allowed to be there. And uh, so, you know, people trying to drive in and buy their fix for the day. I mean, we stopped that cold. Mm. And, uh, you know, my staff were getting threatened, you know, so we had to like post an armed guard at the, you know, leasing office all day long to protect my staff. Wow. Well, said so these are, these are the, I think the things that maybe you can't Google <laughs> when you're looking to stay, stay above water. So, you know, but what you have to do is think quickly on your feet. And, you know, so it's like, okay, you know, and the security, we weren't counting on that. That was 50,000 a month that, you know, it's like, where do we find this money? Right. You know, and we are now into our 22nd month of that cost that we did not account for in our underwriting. So, uh, yeah, you know, the dividends on that deal have not been where we wanted them to be. So we got to get a good refi to true up with our investors and uh, move forward with the deal. And then how do you how do you manage a situation like that? Or if you want to even you know refer to another story, as far as communicating with investors uh, yeah. of what's going on, that's really big. How do you navigate that piece? A lot of different ways. So we use uh, Juniper Square. Your investors don't know what that is. That is an investor portal, kind of client management portal. And so our investors can sign in on their own portal page. And we place a lot of communication right there. So we do the quarterly reports, tax documents, annual tax documents, K-1s. Anything else that we have to communicate to the investors goes through the portal. So we systematize communication. What we don't need is a thousand investors calling us at all hours of the day saying, hey, where are my dividends for the quarter or something like that. So we we try to like really discipline our investors to sign into the portal regularly because there's a lot of good features to it. In the case of this this deal, I mean, things got so dire during the pandemic. I had to sit down and it took me four days to compose a letter to our investor base, just explaining what was going on because we were not paying dividends. We did not have the money to pay dividends. It's the first time I've been in that situation. And, you know, you just have to be transparent and authentic with your investors when, you know, pardon my French, but shit happens. And, you know, you have to be able to communicate with your your investors in a very frank way. Sometimes you have to have a tough conversation. A hundred year event that, you know, was then tied my hands, the CDC tied my hands. And, you know, then they were giving out money left and right. And it became more profitable for people to sit at home claiming they're victims of the pandemic than it was to go to work. I still have, you know, people in my deals to this day, don't want to go to work. They're still getting pandemic money. It's just, it's more, it's more profitable to sit at home. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just evicted four or five people here. I own one building in Seattle and I just had enough. Seattle opened up a small window. You know, the first day I issued all eviction notices to all those tenants, like get out of my deal. If you don't have a job now, sorry, 
but I can't keep supporting it. They owe me $60,000 on a little 40 unit deal. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So it's clear to me that from getting to know you and seeing your body of work and also how you handle these situations, you have very high standards in a good way. You pursue excellence. And I'm just thinking and putting myself in the shoes of someone who maybe is just getting started in this business and just doesn't quite have the backbone that Mark Schuler does <laughs> to just to just get in there and, and and as you would say, get shit done. What are your like, you know, your pieces of advice, wisdom, recommendations to someone who yeah. hasn't really been bang, banged up yet? You know, first of all, not all deals go south. You know, there are some that seem to work flawlessly for whatever reason. I think what, you know, the couple of pieces of information that I usually try to convey to people is like, look, you know, if you're going to go into this business, it's a career path. And it takes a while to learn, years to learn how to do this business. I've been doing it 40 years and I learn something new every day. So, you know, where I'm at with the business is, you know, the byproduct of just a lot of experience doing a lot of deals. I didn't really get into the big deals that I'm doing now until about five years ago. Prior to that, I was doing little, my biggest deal was like a 40 unit that we renovated. Before that, I had done a 30 unit where I added a unit. And then I had done a 14 unit on my own was my real first deal. And look, you would think as an architect, I've got this all figured out going into the business. That's not true. I had to start over because the looking at a building from the viewpoint of an architect, you know, I'm thinking design, engineering, project entitlement, construction, logistics, you know, construction schedule. It's very different way of thinking about a building than it is from trying to be a deal maker and a sponsor where you're looking at it from, you know, purely just a cash flow perspective and, you know, tenant management and putting the correct personnel on the property and how you line up all the sort of management stuff. There's very different worlds. There's an overlap in my business skills, but in terms of the skill sets required to do this business, just from a pure investment point of view, it's a different set of skills than what I normally use in my day-to-day existence. They overlap. It's you know, don't get me wrong. It's been very helpful to be an architect and then move into this business. I mean, I have a fluidity with buildings that most people don't. I also have a lot of commercial real estate experience in my family. I have five family members who are commercial brokers. So I sort of was a five-tool player to use a baseball analogy coming into the business. You know, I had to learn for sure, just like anybody else. Total bootstrap pull myself up and get to work. So it helps to have some tenacity in this business because all it is is solving problems. That's all it is. And you know, you mentioned something there that I've seen a, a trend and I think especially since working with you know some of our members and clients at, and raise masters, it's almost as though someone who does put in the work, put in the time, put in the effort, the consistency that you're referring to there comes a point where if you stick with it long enough, you do experience to you do begin to experience that hockey stick growth yeah. that you kind of just referred to, which is like, you know, been doing this for 35 years, but the past five years have been well, I mean, I don't know. I guess you could tell us, like comparatively speaking, the past five years compared to the beginning. And then what from your viewpoint was the shifting point or breaking point aside from aggregating the experience? Yeah, you know, I've been doing the real estate game for about 10 years now. And the first five was just a grind. I mean, I was analyzing deals. I was looking for deals. I was talking to brokers. I didn't feel... I felt like I was treading water or on a squirrel cage going nowhere. And then, you know, I found my first deal. It was a little 30-unit deal. And 
I couldn't take it down myself. I didn't have the backbone or the experience to be able to do it all myself. I certainly didn't have the balance sheet for it. So I went out and I found some really good sponsors who had a lot of experience, brought them in on the deal, and uh, we got that deal done. Totally renovated it. You know, I'm the boots on the ground guy in the local area who absolutely knows construction. I was going to say, so yeah, what, what, what did you use as leverage for that? Was it was the boots on the ground piece? Well, and I also wrote a hundred thousand dollar earnest money check. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So it was ideal. So I had it under contract. So I invited them to participate, but they had to give me a huge slice of the deal. So, uh, and that's a great way to get going in the business. What I always say is if you don't have the skill sets to do a business, partner with somebody who does. And if both of you don't go out and hire somebody. Mm. So it does take skills and it takes experience. And if you're going to do value add, like I do, you got to know something about construction. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about the, uh, the stories that people hear that, that bring them into this business. I know multiple people now that have heard your story recently about, you know, 16 million raised in, in one day and, um, you know, quite, quite the milestone. Yeah. See, I haven't even talked about that yet. That's a whole different aspect. We, 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 we got, <laughs> we're, we're, we can transition a little bit now from the fires to the successes, but I'm sure even in that process, there had to be a few fires and you know, what's really, I think draws people into to our group. And, and hopefully this conversation is just how you were able to accomplish that with how many phone calls did you do? I don't even remember, Adam, to tell you the truth. It just happened so fast. <laughs> you know, But it wasn't a lot, right? It wasn't what people would think. Well, you know, that's with my partnership in Texas. I mean, and at this point, we're really well branded and we manage now a $500 million portfolio. Wow. So a lot of people know about us. We have a very deep investor database. And so when we do a blast, you know, a lot of people jump on board right away and they're starting to learn. We are not fooling around when we tell you it's going to fill quickly. Mm. If you wait a week, you will we'll catch you on the next one because you're not getting in this one. And this was also, you know, right after the pandemic had started or something, but there was also just a collective, like, you know, people wanting to do something. So we had that going for us. It was a really profitable deal. It was a really good, we just sold that deal. We made it, you know, a 35 IRR on that deal in wow. 18 months. Wow. Yeah. I mean, on that note too, then let's, let's talk about, you know, SGRE Investments, what you are working on right now. I know SGR Investments, that's with an S, ladies and gentlemen, sgreinvestments.com. You can check out Mark's website here as we're making our way through the interview. But um, yeah, what what are you guys looking at right now? Is there anything that our viewers or listeners um, should pay attention to? Yeah. you know, We just closed uh, our biggest deal. It's 544 units wow. in Houston, um, almost $80 million. It was a $26 million equity raise. You know, half of it was 1031 money. We sold three deals and rolled everybody over. So from a leverage point of view, we were able to like leverage up from maybe 300 doors or 340 doors into 544. So, you know, all of my investors who kind of rolled over that, you know, got more doors, less risk, you know, total upside on the deal. I mean, they, they love us, you know, we're rock stars. We're just starting uh, the onboarding process. We're about a week and a half into the onboarding process of that. So we're getting the personnel assigned to the property and starting to take over process. It usually takes a month, especially a property this size. And then, you know, we have a $10 million construction schedule on this one over the wow. last two years. 
you know, big, big overhaul of this asset. One of the buildings is down, fire. So we got to go in and rebuild it basically. Yeah, a lot of work, a lot of work. I think so. it reminds me of, of something. I think we touched on it, but I would like to dive deeper to see if you if you do believe that you know what the key would be here. Even you know, talking about these the two deals that we just referred to again, it's it's been like this exponential hockey stick type of growth that you've seen happen in your business recently. How does somebody tap into that type of growth? Is it mm-hmm. is it making sure the infrastructure is there in the first place? Like, yeah, what do you think it is? You know, in our case, we just figured out what worked and what didn't. You know, all private equity firms, I think, go through this growth. And, uh, you know, we just kept building and we're growing exponentially. We have about 110 people on the payroll at this point. Wow. And wow. Nice. About 60% on the management side and 40% on the um, construction side. I have a, you know, C level staff of about 12 or 15 people, you know, and just all the bookkeeping and accounting and, you know, have uh, relationships with uh, service professionals. So accounting firms, legal firms, you know, debt guys. And, you know, you just keep building. And so you gain some expertise with one deal and then you move on and you just get more confident in your underwriting skills. So you look at bigger and bigger deals because there's just more profit potential on larger deals. You're also competing with, you know, I mean, in the multifamily game, you know, you get a lot of people looking at the, four to 10 units that are rolling out of like single family flips and, you know, right. trying to get into multifamily and get their first deal under their belt. And then, you know, you might have a few deals under your belt. And then there are a lot of people looking at uh, 50 to hundred units. And then, you know, when you really kind of get to a point, you're looking at a minimum 250 doors. So for us, the minimum 250, 300 doors at this point, and you know, I don't want to turn my nose up at any deal, but that's, what you end up doing is you got to have a certain size deal to support the labor you put on the project. Sure. That's just the way it is. You know, sure. you got to pay salaries, right? You know, a deal that size is going to take, uh, you know, a couple of uh, leasing agents and a couple of, you know, maintenance techs. You know, you got sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 in salaries on that one property to pay every year. You're not going to do that with a 10 unit. <laughs> right. Right. So it makes me think, I mean, when you really take a step back, one big piece of the growth is new blood, new energy, new people coming into the team. Kind of like we referenced at the beginning of the call, you know, the birth of a of a new child bringing energy to the family. And so it sounds like you guys are definitely hiring and then also looking for potential partners on the GP and even the LP side of things. So I guess we'll go in that order. Hiring, GP, LP, you know, what would be your message to anyone who's listening right now who might want to pursue a career with you? And then anyone who wants to do deals with you or invest with you, I know, I know it's a lot, but. Well, you know, the first thing I would do is I am really fussy about who I do business with. Vet everybody, you know, you just, you vet everybody and hopefully you hire and partner with more people you keep on staff or you do repeat deals with than you don't. And so you grow, <laughs> you know, you got more wins and losses, right? And so look, this is a relationship business. And there's a lot of male energy in this work, if you will. And and so, I mean, I think in a previous conversation, I explained that I really try to keep my ego in check and just firmly tucked in my back pocket because I basically an engineer and architect, you know, I'm problem solver. 
And so I try to analyze problems and try to figure out the most efficient way to, you know, solve them. Now, when you deal with people, that isn't necessarily the skill set you want to bring to the table. So you've got to, like, I've had to develop other skills in sizing up someone sitting across the conference room table from me. So you just, you know, think about it. It's just like, I see, you know, I'm in multiple groups and people just putting out like a blanket statement. It's like, I'm looking for a partner, want to partner with me. It's like, no, don't do that. You know, really, because who do you think you're going to attract? The lowest common denominator, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's just not the way to do business. So that's my first piece of advice is be very careful about who you do business with. You don't have to be like, you know, hypercritical or anything like that. But, you know, certain basics like do their skill sets complement yours? Do they have skills where you don't? Do you guys look at the world the same way or do you? Do your worldviews complement one another? Do, do you, you know, do I look at it from one way? Do you look at it from another way? And when we mix that energy together, are we getting the are the sum of the parts more than the individual parts? You know, that right. that's basic common sense stuff. But people leapfrog into this business too damn quickly without really thinking about it, mainly because they don't have any experience. So, you know, my the second piece of advice is like take your time. You know, you don't have to move at a million miles an hour and get it done all. You have to build. I'm going to go back to something I said earlier. This is a career path. You know, you're not going to figure it all out overnight. This is some of the most complicated stuff you can do entrepreneurially. It's what Warren Buffett calls a wide moat business is the intellectual capital that you accumulate over time is really separate what separates people who do it and people who don't. So take your time, accumulate that knowledge, always be a student of the game. You know, it's like, don't be a cowboy thinking you know it because you don't. And I can see through that in an instant. And look, there's just too much risk out there for you to play games with this. So really just take your time and, and learn your craft. I will also say this is not a business for everyone. You got to like getting down in the muck. And I mean, literally, sometimes I'm swapping out a toilet. You got to like doing this, one. And two, you got to be focused on the end game and understand that this toilet can allow me to rent this unit, which is going to allow me to meet my rent roll for the month. It's going to allow me to pay my investors dividends. So you got to be able to like grok all of this simultaneously. You got to like throwing down a wax ring and bolting down a toilet. If you don't like doing that, you're in the wrong line of work. There you go. You know, really. I now hire people to do that, but I've had to install more than one toilet. Have you by chance ever read Tim Grover's book, Relentless? No, but I'm probably the prototype. (laughs) You are. You are. So, I mean, and I highly recommend this book to anyone out there. This is from the person who was Michael Jordan's personal trainer. And he talks about the difference between Jordan and other players that he's worked with. And he's like, plain and simple, you know, you have, uh, I think it's coolers, closers, and cleaners. And the, the people that are the Michael Jordans are the cleaners. And the reference there is the janitors, the one, first one in the building, last one out, chain scrubbing toilets, you know, whatever it may be. And it sounds like Mark Schuler is, is a cleaner, ladies and gentlemen. So I highly recommend that book. And you very much are the prototype. I, one thing that I think we might have skimmed over here, and, and for anyone who's interested in reaching out potentially to Mark to work for him, now you have been, you know, clearly warned in advance. You know, you're you're not just walking through the door in your typical uh, potential 
job opportunity here, right? You're working with a man who's very serious about his business. So for those who uh, who do want to pursue working, we'll just say for you, because I'm sure you know you got a team of 110. So what would be your recommendation to them? First of all, I don't know what the current staffing needs are. So just quit, you know, just like tell you, I, I have no idea. My partners who are on the operations side deal with that. I mean, feel free to email me your resume. I can forward it. You got to live in Houston. There we go. Again, you you mentioned being direct. You know, hey, we're just looking to hire. No, right? Like it's there's some criteria there. No, you know, you gotta live where the work is. I mean, you can't. And look, we're always looking for primarily. I would think at this time I, we have unique needs, specific needs. You know, these are high dollar hires. But um, you know, I know we're always looking for um, on site staff. Always, you know, like this new deal, we'll probably have twelve on site staff there. You know, that's a lot of uh, leasing agents and a lot of maintenance techs. So yeah, feel free to email me or reach out to me and you know find out what the current needs are. I I'm not on that side of the business, candidly. Guy like me with all my skill sets, you'd think I'd be out in the field a lot. I'm not. I am at this point dealing with uh, investors primarily. Yep. Okay, and that leads. Leads me to uh, the final question for today. So again, sgreinvestments.com. Guys, you can go there and check Mark out. For those looking to invest with you, Mark, talk to us again briefly about what you've got going on right now and how they can go and create an account. Yeah. Best way to do it. You know, I, I am very SEC compliant. So I like to go back to what I said. I vet people. And uh, you know, 99% of the people who I talk to, I, I do like to talk to everybody. And um, just have a conversation. I'd like to know kind of where you're coming from, what your expectations are for the investment opportunity, what your experiences with real estate and investing in general, whether you're accredited or sophisticated. I like to know all of that up front. And then, you know, like I said, 99% of the people that get into my blast list. And when we have a new deal teed up, I just hit send. It goes out to 2,000 people. Folks who spawn first get in the deal. Those who don't, Maybe they get waitlisted and maybe they go on the next one. You know, so feel free to reach out to me. I, you know, I got time to talk to everybody. You know, it's an interesting business. I never get tired of talking about it. I always like to hear somebody else's point of view. I learn something in every conversation. So, you know, there's a little bit of self interest there, but there's that. The other thing you mentioned about Adam, and I wanted to touch on that as well, is, you know, for those in your audience who may or may not understand understand, uh, real estate deal structures, there are LP investors and then there are GP investors. GPs are the general partners. Those are the quarterbacks of the deal. And uh, we're generally the capital raisers, the folks who write the checks. You know, on my last deal, I wrote a $250,000 check for earnest money. Hard day one. You know, so we're the general partners in the deal. We have managerial rights. And then the, the majority of people in our deal are LPs or limited partners who are investing in the deal for a rate of return. And our deals are generally, you know, we structure them all the same. We generally pay 8% cash and cash, 20 IRR. That was before this inflationary environment. But, you know, most people are looking, they don't want to be the quarterback. They don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want the migraines. They don't want, you know, dealing with fires. Like I've had three fires in deals in the last 18 months. You know, do you want to deal with that and fight with insurance companies? Or do you want me to do it and just pay me to do it? 
guess where I'm going with this is we're very fussy about who we allow to raise money on our deals. And you can't just call me and say, I'll raise money on your deal if you let me in. That, that's not going to happen. I have fired three GPs in the last 15 months alone for not doing their job and had to claw back fees that we paid them and they didn't do anything. So uh, yeah, I've gotten a lot smarter about that. But you know, we're happy to entertain anybody who wants to become an LP in the deals. We're, we're fairly open to just about anybody. So feel free to reach out. And we will have another deal here shortly. You know, it's uh, we just closed one, even in this crazy environment that we're in. We didn't even touch on that, but uh, it's hard finding deals right now. It's even harder getting financing for them. But we're going to probably get something uh, underway here in a couple of weeks. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Good to hear. All right. Well, again, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, sgreinvestments.com to follow up with Mark, get in touch with him there. That is the best way. The one call to action, sgreinvestments.com. Go ahead and check him out. And Mark, before we get out of here, we got to do it. You know, typical uh, interview question I'd say here, but I am looking forward to hearing your answer. You know, what is your one parting piece of wisdom, your recommendation to our, our viewers, our, our listeners, our audience here today moving forward? Well, would that piece of wisdom be about real estate or life in general? Ooh, very good question. Very good response question. We've talked a lot about real estate. We began the interview with life. So let's circle it back. We'll circle it back to life to, to close it out here. You know, I'll try to tie in two together. If you're going to do real estate, you need to honestly assess who you are and what you want out of the endeavor. To use your Jordan analogy, there are folks who are closers. You need to be really tenacious in this line of work. And, you know, I have one partner, she was calling me when we were online here. And, you know, I have to walk her in off the ledge every single week. You know, her blood pressure is just, you know, through the roof. And I, and I, and the advice is always the same. Take a deep breath and let's work the problem. We will get there. I'm not concerned. I mean, it's not ideal. I mean, I know we have a project timeline and we're well off that timeline now, but it's okay. You know, we'll get it on the next one. We just learn from these endeavors and move forward. You know, stay focused on your growth, okay? Both in life and in this business. It can humble you, this business. It really can. And hopefully at the end of your career, you've got more wins than losses as in life. And so, and I'm not trying to like say that just to say anything. That's, that is how I'm hardwired, you know, and you just have to enjoy the ride. And I don't know any entrepreneur out there. And I'll also say you can't do it just for the money. That's the stupidest reason to get in this line of work. You can make money with a lot less brain damage doing a lot of other endeavors. Okay. That, that is the honest of God truth. You get into this work because you enjoy it mm. and you really enjoy. I love putting out, you know, condo quality product for my tenants to live in because I have a social mission in what I do, which is I believe everybody has a right to a dignified place for their head to hit the pillow at night. I, I firmly believe that. My essay to architecture school 45 years ago was on that topic. Wow. And I feel like I'm finally doing what I've always wanted to do. So for me, the money is nice, but the passion I bring to it is motivated by something else. Powerful. Powerful. You know, and so if you don't have that passion, you know, it's being in this business without the passion is not sustainable. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah, powerful, powerful stuff there. And it, you know, it reminds me um of just when I'm talking to you know potential clients and again members of our mastermind coming in, you know, the people who fizzle out the fastest are the ones who are just like, hey, I want to do this for the money. Plain and simple. Uh, the ones who know their why, their purpose, where they're making an impact, ripple effect, family and beyond. Those are the people who we see over and over again produce results and have success. And you are a again a shining example of that. So, so thank you for being true to, to who you are, Mark. No, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I just emphasize that is is like, don't do this just for the money. Go get a job. You know, you're not a cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, guys, make sure you check that that book out to Relentless by Tim Grover. But again, uh, this has been our time here today on Dream Chasers with Mark Schuler, president of SGRE Investments and Schuler Architecture. Go ahead and follow up with him and check him out at SGRE Investments. That's investments with an S, sgreinvestments.com. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in. And remember, in all you think, say, and do, take it to the next level. Thank you once again for investing your most valuable resource with us here today, your time. If you enjoyed today's episode, please drop a five-star rating and a review below. Take a screenshot of it and send it over to nextlevel at carswell.io. We have a present for you. We really appreciate you guys leaving those reviews because it really helps with the overall SEO and visibility of the show and allows us to continue to bring on high-quality guests. So once again, thank you, and remember, take it to the next level.